Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, in anticipation of this fall's election, the Confluence Cast is endeavoring to introduce Columbus voters to the 12 council and two mayoral candidates in their own words. In today's interview, Nancy Day Ockauer, candidate for District 2, discusses her background, why zoning updates are key to Columbus's future, and how neighborhoods can fill gaps in social safety nets. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Columbus City Council candidate Nancy Day Ockauer, running in District 2. Nancy, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you doing? Doing well. First of all, talk to us about who you are and what brings you to the candidacy. Well, I am not from Columbus. I chose Columbus. I came here in 2005 to earn my master's degree and fell in love with Columbus. Okay. I saw it as a place where I could live my American dream. But where I started out was my childhood was in the California gold country. Okay. Descendant of farmers and miners. <laughs> and then I lived for 20 years in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, most of that I spent as a business administrator in a medium-sized business, K-A-N-N Industries. And then for the last five years, I was the assistant to the general counsel of the nation's fifth largest not-for-profit hospital system. Okay. At that time, it was Catholic Healthcare West, and now it's called Common Spirit. Okay. I and herded lawyers for a living. There you go. <laughs> and then what, and so the degree brought you to Columbus. So yes, I came to um, Columbus to attend the Methodist Theological School, um, which is located in Delaware. Okay. In 2005 for a three-year master program there. Like I said, I fell in love with Columbus. I was ordained a United Methodist pastor here in Ohio and um, spent four years serving in a rural community before an opening came up in a more urban part of Columbus on the far west side. Okay. I had requested that type of an appointment because that's the kind of community I'm accustomed to where there's a great degree of, degree of diversity. Okay. But my time spent on the west side as a pastor has mostly focused on community ministries addressing human service needs the community identifies. I know a lot of people think, well, I know what the community needs, and they go in there and they try to fix things, but you really need to talk to the people and have them identify what their particular top priorities are. Okay. And one of those was food insecurity. Um, at that time, west of 270, there wasn't any public food pantry. There weren't any produce distributions. And so a group of us got together, um, Doctors Hospital sponsored us, and we began a produce distribution. We ran it out of the firehouse near Doctors Hospital, and um, we operated that inside the firehouse for four years okay. before the pandemic hit. Okay. And then we had to move it outside, understandably. Mm -hmm. Our produce distribution was unique in that it's year-round, so even in the winter, so... Pandemic hits, it's March, we're outside in the parking lot, 28 degree weather, it was really bitter cold, giving out produce. 
And it's a great thing we were there because so many people were out of work. Mm-hmm. And the lines for our distribution went around the block. We had to bring in the sheriff's office to direct traffic because there were so many people in line. We were able to continue out in the parking lot um, until the world opened up again. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to go back into the firehouse. And at this time, Mid-Ohio F- um, Food Collective identified, they go, wow, there really is a great food insecurity issue mm-hmm. out here in what they call, referred to as more of a suburban area. Although okay. it's a mix of Columbus and the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And so they opened up one of their fresh markets, which is a free grocery store just a couple blocks up from us. And we were so excited to be put out of business by something that's actually better, where people have the mm-hmm. dignity of being able to go shop just like everybody else and select the food that they want. Talk us through how you got to your candidacy, why you're running. Well, over the years, I have um, had a lot of conversations with Columbus City Council about the various issues that I was working on, because I also worked on addressing the homeless issue. I was on the steering committee that opened Jordan's Crossing Resource Center. Okay. I worked on addressing the issue of older adults aging in place. Um, A lot of older adults on the hilltop want to stay there, but they need help. And Mm -hmm. so I worked with Fran Ryan and Franklin County Columbus Age-Friendly Program to launch Villa on the Hill, a program to help older adults age in place successfully. And I've worked on the Franklin County and Columbus Addiction Plan educating the community about addiction. And so I was always contacting my um, city council members Mm -hmm. and and the mayor's office and talking to them about the needs in the community and um, ways that we can be better engaged. And also talking to them about a variety of other issues that um, the communities care about. Mm -hmm. Rec and Park, getting your snow plow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all those things. And over the years, because, um, you know, that's over a decade, I, yeah. I felt that I would be more effective addressing human service needs um, if I were serving on city council than working just as a small church local pastor on the west side. I feel by serving on Columbus City Council, I can help more people in more places instead of just focusing on my little side of town. Because west side issues are also... Issues that are experienced in Linden and on the south side. So we have a lot of communities that have needs. And I feel my experience of being actually hands-on, boots on the ground in communities, brings a perspective um, to council that would be very helpful for them. Got it. You've mentioned some issues, obviously. Food insecurity, homelessness, uh, folks being able to age in place. What other... Maybe they're those issues specifically, but what issues do you think are facing Columbus? The housing issue is huge, and it impacts all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Having lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, I had the lived experience of what happens in a community when a city and a region does not address the availability of housing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people hear about housing shortage and all they think of is, oh, that makes prices more expensive. But hey, I've already got a house, so it's really not my problem. Mm. It impacts quality of life in a lot of ways that people haven't considered. When I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, and rents at that time, so we're talking 1985, Mm -hmm. were already renting a modest home was like $2,000 a month. Okay. 
1985 salaries. Right. Yeah. And so it was common that people had to, total strangers had to come together and rent houses. And Mm. you had a revolving door of of roommates Mm -hmm. because somebody would get a new job and they'd move away. No, now I got to find another roommate. Mm -hmm. And I was a single parent. So that's a very stressful thing of always having a revolving door. Okay. But that was very common, still is very common in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And then also the every couple of years, as your rent keeps getting jacked up more and more and more, you have to move farther and farther away from where you work. And you end up having to commute an hour to work. Mm-hmm. Now, at least in the Bay Area, we had bus rapid transit, mm-hmm. which at least made the commute a little better. Mm-hmm. We don't have that here. Hopefully one day we will, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we don't have it now. And so you have people who are no longer living and working in the same community. And that really drags you down when you work an eight-hour day mm-hmm. and you have an hour commute on each end. People also don't consider the fact that um, a shortage of housing not just means that new houses are more expensive and rentals are more expensive, but when those price points increase, your home values increase as well. Mm-hmm. So even if you've paid off your house, you're going to be paying more to live there because your property taxes are going to go up. Mm-hmm. We've already been warned by our Franklin County auditor that this it's going to be a big increase this time. Mm-hmm. Three years from now, it's going to be a big, an even bigger increase. Mm-hmm. People will find themselves in a situation where their property taxes can equal their mortgage. And that's going to impact your quality of life. If you're a renter, that expense is going to be passed on to you. Mm-hmm. The, the landlord's not going to eat that. So it's going to impact everyone's quality of life. We have to have enough houses to house all the people who live here now, but we have to be building towards the future of all the people who are going to be coming here. We know that with Intel and all these other great businesses that are building here, it's going to bring in a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a tsunami of people who are coming. Where are they going to live? Columbus needs to build more housing, but so do all of our suburban neighbors. Mm -hmm. Columbus doesn't have enough land to house all those people. All of our neighbors need to step up also. So we really need to work as a region to address building enough housing to meet our needs. And it needs to be a variety of housing, different types of housing, different price points, because people of every income level need to find a place that's affordable for them. We need housing not just for low-income people, but we need it for school teachers and our firefighters and our police officers and the nurses and the secretary at your office and the person who is working at the drive-through that you go through every day to get your cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Everybody, no matter what income you have, you need to be able to have a place to live that you can afford. What role do you think council plays in solving for that housing issue? The, the zoning update is going to be huge because mm-hmm. our zoning is way out of date. I was on the West, served on the Westland Area Commission for eight years. Okay. We have a lot of agricultural land mm-hmm. out there, and the farmers sell it. And then you have this long, drawn-out variance process. It can take somebody a year from when they buy the property to being able to develop it simply because they have to go through all this zoning things and all mm-hmm. these permit things. Um, Getting the updated zoning will really be helpful. It'll eliminate um, the excessive amount of variances Mm -hmm. that we have to do. 
we should update the way our, the BZA, Building Zoning Administration, um, processes, permits and whatnot so that it moves faster. Ours is, I've been told by a lot of people that ours is much slower than a lot of other cities of our size. Mm-hmm. And I know friends of mine who just want to do like an addition on their house. It's like the whole permit process. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's challenging and it's expensive. And the more time and the more money people have to spend going through building and zoning, the more expensive your home is going to be or mm-hmm. your apartment's going to be. So cleaning that up and making it more streamlined is just going to help our process. So those are two things that council can directly impact. Mm-hmm. Um, we, of course, have the investments that are going to be made in, um, in incentivizing housing that is affordable. Mm-hmm. And I emphasize housing that is affordable. That doesn't mean low-income housing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there's low-income housing, and there, there, but there's also housing for you know people workforce. can afford. Yeah, right. So that you know you can you can afford. So that's going to be something that will also um, help. And I think as we go along, we're going to kind of find more and more different ways of oh, okay, this mm-hmm. issue has come up, and how are we going to address? that particular issue how are we going to address we have areas like the darby accord where we have special environmental issues that have to be addressed mm-hmm. how can we make it so that it is more affordable to address these environmental issues in those particular areas um i just know about the accord on the west side there may be other areas of yeah. columbus that have similar things um i'm only familiar with that one because of my work on the area commission and I'm going to try to make that a segue into uh, how do you feel about the new districting structure that Columbus City Council is under? I actually like it. I was one of the many citizens who, you know, complained. We don't have representation on our side of town. Hmm. We should have districts so that there are people who know our part of town. Okay. When you live out, living outside of 270 is a different lived experience than inside 270. Mm-hmm. I can say that from experience because I work in the middle of the hilltop. Yeah. But I live on the far west side, which is Columbus, but feels like you live in the suburbs. Yeah. Very different. Um, so we, myself, my area, the area commission that I served on, a lot of other citizens um, were saying, we want this. And um, there was the, a failed ballot initiative mm-hmm. that, um, that didn't get enough votes. And, but a lot of people kept asking for it, and there was all sorts of big plans. Some of them I thought were a little quirky, okay. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of different ideas, and I think it's good to throw ideas out, and then you kind of see what works. And the um, Charter Amendment um, review mm-hmm. came on. I did attend a few of those meetings. Okay. Um, I felt that they were very thoughtful in what they were doing. Um, I spoke in favor of trying to keep... Um, area commissions and civic associations intact because contiguous to the conti- districts. Yeah. Contiguous yeah. to the districts because you already had systems in place of advocacy and um, the final product that it came out with it being at large voting, although everybody's in the district I liked because I feel that every council member should be answerable to every citizen, every business in Columbus we don't want to become the next Cleveland where you end up with gridlock and fighting and, and, and stuff. Things don't get done because it's all like people care about 
their district first. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, this is a whole, the city has to work together. We can't just focus on little things. I mean, every community has a few little things that needs to be, to be addressed that are, you know, particular to them. Yeah. But we have to look at the city as this whole microsystem. There we go. Yeah. There's so many things that need to be done that we need to work together. I know if I were just a regular voter and, you know, there were all these at-large candidates and there was somebody on the other side of town who was just an obstructionist and wasn't helping, you know, mm-hmm. do do well for Columbus. I would want to vote that person out. Yeah. And so I, I feel, so, hey, if you decide you don't like me, you can vote me out no matter where you live. <laughs> Fair. But hopefully you'll vote me in come November. <laughs> well, and thank you for making my transition so easy. Uh, why should people vote for you? What's your value proposition that you're bringing to your candidacy? I believe that people should vote for me because I bring a new and different perspective to Columbus City Council, both from my work and also from where I live and Mm -hmm. my past experience of living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Because I can say, don't do that. San Francisco did that and it didn't work and it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel that I can bring new and different things, that different perspective. Um, And I also add just diversity to to our council our council um has diversity in a variety of ways Mm -hmm. um i bring i bring age diversity (laughs) okay but also just yeah the diversity of having lived elsewhere and experienced how other large metropolitan areas address issues got it um i end every interview by asking two questions they are opposites (laughs) uh what do you think columbus is doing well and what do you think columbus is doing not so well One of the things that Columbus does well, one of the things that I loved about Columbus when I moved here is the opportunity for regular everyday citizens to be engaged. Mm -hmm. You can be engaged with City Hall by serving on an area commission or a civic association. You can be involved in the arts. There's all these nonprofits where you can get engaged with that. If you really care about children, there are all these organizations that you can get involved in and to have direct impact on your community. A lot of other areas don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so it's really exciting for people to have the opportunity to be engaged, to be part of something bigger than themselves, and to help make a difference. And what is it not doing so well? What is it not doing so well? Well, of course, as we know, I agree, there's the housing. We do mm-hmm. know that there's public safety and, and there's a lot of big issues. I will mention one that's a smaller issue. Okay. Um, that is that we lack equity in our rec and park department. Um, there okay. are entire regions of the city, that, regions, not neighborhoods, that don't have a recreation center, that have zero programming. There's a lot of city programming that gets run out of rec centers. Mm-hmm. Summer food f- feeding programs for kids, for example, um, homework help. There's all these programs that get run out of our rec centers. And there are huge parts of the city that have no rec center. And they have very little in the way of parks. Mm-hmm. If a kid in my neighborhood wanted to go to a park um, and play on playground equipment, you need to get in the car and you have to drive down. You have to go over the railroad tracks. And then you go over and there's this little tiny park and it's got a little bit of play structure and there's some grass. Not as nice as some of the other rec centers, your Mm -hmm. your parks in town. And that's not unique to just where I'm at. There are a lot of parts of city that don't have the same services in rec and park that are available in many other parts of the city. And I think that's something that we should address. Okay. Nancy, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite volunteer. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. <laughs>